I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we are in a situation that is unprecedented of what happened in this courtroom with the Honorable Judge Tammy Kemp. This is something highly unusual that we are really, really as a nation have been shaken, I believe, in a good way. Tonight we deal with the issue of bringing humanity back to America's court system. Hang on, we take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Kendrick Barnes, Samson Riddle, Dennis Merritt, and Cliff Stewart and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we deal with this issue uh, regarding Judge Tammy Kemp and Brent John, the gentleman on the stand, as you know the story, if you don't know it, the uh, young man whose brother was killed by this officer. Um, And the emotions in that courtroom got to an all-time high, if you will, as this lady, the gentleman on the stand, Mr. Mr. John really broke down uh, and really willing to forgive the act of what happened here with his brother who was killed by this officer and you heard the scene he asked from the stand can I please give her a hug Uh, an act of true forgiveness from what I saw it to be uh, and an act of humanity Uh, these things have been lost in our system at a very very high level they said this has sparked huge controversy. You know you have a problem in this country when the act of kindness, forgiveness, and love 
sparks controversy because it is done so rare in this country these days. I commend Judge Kemp for her stand. You're going to hear more from her on the interview um, where she talked about why she was compelled to do what she did, but to also follow the example of this victim. Actually gave the young lay officer a hug, gave her a Bible, and told her that she reads it every day. That's a big deal. Has never happened that I can recall in any courtroom across this nation what we saw there. Uh, your thoughts, Samson? Yeah, just, I mean, it, it definitely was a monumental moment um, for the court system to have, you know, like you said, the, the, a family member of the victim in the case walk up to the person that was being prosecuted and ask the judge openly, in court to give to give her a hug to show an act of compassion and then the judge to follow suit and like you said give her a bible encourage her to read it give her uh, bible passages to follow after but what is shocking and gives you you know the the state of our nation is yeah there were tons of people that came out initially with support and everything else like that but why is there a backlash when it's one person choosing to show compassion for another person that just that shouldn't be who, who, all these people that are wanting to come back and bag on the judge or bag on the court system, whatever, who are they? They're not, the family members are the ones that are most directly affected. And the fact that this young man chose to step out of the mold to, to do what is, goes against the grain of what all of our society says and actually reach back out to the person that killed his brother and show that compassion. I mean, it's it's a landmark thing, and I hope it keeps going. There are very few other judges that I've heard of, you know, in the United States that that even do these kind of things like like Judge Kemp did. You know, I think Judge Caprio is one that he he is known for. Uh, I believe he's out of Providence, where he. Rhode Island. Is that yeah. the gentleman? Yes, sir. Yep. You're gonna hear about him tonight as well, um, and that's why again, returning humanity to the American court system. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you don't have to treat people like animals. Uh, that can, what we saw, and, and, and I'll get you a further point, Samson, here in a moment, but what we saw there was something that just doesn't happen. It's a tragedy that it doesn't happen because guess what? To see an African-American judge embrace that white officer and that African-American victim embrace this white officer there can be a lesson learned here my question today and I don't want to take away from what these folks have done if the roles were reversed if a black officer shot a white man's brother but the reaction had been the same. You have to ask the question. Um, this was absolutely amazing in my opinion. We're going to deal with that on the other side of the break. Um, we're going to get Kendrick's thoughts, Cliff's thoughts on this. Whew. That was a moment in time. Where and when did America's court system lose their way? And when did humanity leave the courtroom and we didn't know it? 
Humanity is nothing more than compassion, caring. We're going to hear from the judge in her interview that she gave. We're going to hear from other judges who also have seen some things. Judge Caprio, is it Caprio, I believe that's his name, Samson? Judge Caprio? Yes, sir. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to his son. Um, very, very good conversation with him about his father. We have reached out to the office and chambers of Judge Kemp to give her that she might be what the recipient, one of the recipients of the H. Lee Sarakin Gavel of Honor Award for her actions this week. Um, she meets the criteria for that award. Absolutely. So we're in touch with her people down there in Texas. I talked to some people down there today. We're looking to make that happen. We're going to end up flying out there to Dallas uh, and present this to her in person. Um, we're going to be on top of it. This is AJC Radio, returning humanity to America's court system. We'll be right back. Bart police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only gonna make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm gonna give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252 that is a just cause and we fight for justice again call a just cause today don't delay call 1-855-529-4252 it is time and I say high time that we take America's incarceration seriously won't you join us? 
call today. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dilson. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dude Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Help people prepare for a natural disaster. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit dosomething.org to find out how. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio. As we return tonight, returning humanity to America's court system, if you haven't heard about Judge Tammy Kemp, the honorable judge out of Dallas, Texas, who became a social media sensation after showing compassion from the bench regarding a victim uh, who was at a sentencing hearing Brent John who became emotional on the stand and I think if we get an opportunity I think we're going to play that clip again uh, when he became emotional on that stand um, and he asked the person that killed his brother ask the judge can I give her a hug and told her that God would forgive her. We have never seen anything like this. You're dealing with white officers, in many cases, that are shooting African-American people. We've never seen this over the span of all of the deaths that have taken place as a result of uh, officer-involved shootings where the victims who fell prey to this violence, if you will, were African-Americans. And to see a young man on that stand, visibly emotional, not about the death of his brother, visibly emotional for a press for forgiveness, and a judge who followed suit to that compassion, if you get an opportunity, go out to YouTube and search for that clip. I've never seen nothing like it. The judge embraced 
the officer, came off of the bench. And we didn't hear from Cliff or Kendrick yet. Kendrick, we're going to get that now. Kendrick, when you hear that, see that. What does it do to you? It makes me uh, remember being a person who sat before a judge before. And until you're in that situation, you really can't understand what a person that you're, you're sitting behind a table and you're being accused right or wrong either way but there's a there's a humanity element to it your life is about to change drastically now as a judge your job is to basically referee to make sure that everything is fair and square and and you got you have to agree to it a sentence certain cases they let the jury do it certain cases they, the judge does it if you don't have human compassion how can you declare a person X amount of years in prison X amount of you do you understand what's happening to these people and to me I think more judges should show compassion so that you know people would feel like they maybe would be treated fairly if they felt like you know what but the judge was a human too mm -hmm. and they understood where I'm going through this wasn't just it wasn't hey let me follow this recipe of Oh, I, I, I'm I'm not supposed to care, and I'm supposed to robotically go down some checklist of well, you did this, you did this, you didn't do that. And then, well, that's 30 years of your life going away. Okay, next case. It can't be that. It just can't be a job to you. This is more than just a paycheck. You're you're a judge has the ability to affect the lives of American citizens, and no one can revoke that. That's a lot of power. So to me, to see her compassion was was very touching to even to let her allow the uh the brother doesn't happen doesn't happen to go hook her because most people act at that point when you're guilty you might as well have leprosy they let the only person touches you is is handcuffs and, and guards and they get you out the way so the even allow it to happen have some amenity you have to at least feel like you know what i'm i'm still human even though i'm about to go i mean i feel for anybody that's going through the judicial process i'm sorry i've been there Sure. It's not easy. I don't care who you are. But just to have a little bit of, you know what, there was some compassion and somebody cared for me. They just didn't, hey, throw away a key and good luck, you know. But to give a hug and to say, you know what, I understand, that means that means a lot more than what the average person can understand. No, I so. agree. Cliff, your thoughts on that uh, and this Judge Kemp. Uh, again, we, we've reached out to uh, make her recipient of the H. Lee Sarakin Gavel of Honor Award, which is a very prestigious award that goes to those that rise above uh, the fray and go to another level. Cliff, your thoughts on this judge? Well, what it shows you is that um, regardless of how most judges perform in the courtroom, you know, to Ken's point, that, you know, they just, a lot of times they're callous, a lot of times they just seem like, well, I don't, I don't care one way or the other, but it shows you that as a judge, you can be a humane person because the, the judge has listened to the case, has seen what's going on, and when it comes time to sentence uh, a person, a judge can take everything into account, not just, uh, you know, like Ken said, the, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law as well as the forefathers laid out that you have to look at what the law was put in place that a, a person, even if they committed a crime, when a person is showing penitence, when a person is saying, you know what, I am sorry for what I did, that is not a person that you throw the book at. And this judge showed that 
in the face of what could have been and in all intents and purposes should have been a 30 year sentence. She said, I cannot give you 30 years because I saw how everything about you changed, your demeanor changed during this trial, your 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 sense of of, of uh, anger with the system, the sense of the fact that, well, hey, I'm a law enforcement uh, person and I've, I've given my life as, you know, a duty to my community. She said she saw all those things break in this woman. And that is the reason why she had compassion on her, why she didn't just throw the law at her and say, give her 30 years behind bars. But you, it lets you see that a judge can use morals, uh, can use compassion, can even use emotion to say, I'm willing to uh, not just give, just throw a person's life away. It, th that is the whole, the whole thing about the, uh, the penitentiary system is to bring penitence in a person, to make a person think about what they did and say, you know what, I can change who I was when I committed that crime. And this judge recognized that and dealt with that uh, at this level, level on a case-by-case -case basis, not just because the law said give her 30 years. And you have to look at this judge and say, I commend you for taking a step outside of the box, outside of the norm, to say, I, I saw as the judge, which I'm supposed to judge the case. I'm supposed to judge what happens. I saw a break in this person. I saw a person that changed who they were, and I'm willing to help them by not throwing the entire book at them for the crime that they committed. And, and so, even, and even just to add in, I mean, her, her, yes, did she do wrong? Yes. Her life is over it anyway. I mean, I, I commend the family too because repentance is what we should want and maybe this officer can come through this and on the other side stand for justice too stand for people that lost their lives or wrongly convicted or whatever but that if the compassion is shown to her how is she going to know to show compassion to others Oh, without question, I have no doubt, uh, looking at the scene uh, in that courtroom that day, that the officer will never be the same. You cannot encounter love and forgiveness on that level and ever be the same person you were before. I don't know Amber Geiger's life. I'm not sure other than what we read about what happened. There's questions out there why that happened, should not have happened. People are going to take that position. But they talk about many times in life, there's a moment in time that is frozen. That moment happened that day. This was a moment that shall not be forgotten. In all the years, all the proceedings, all the court hearings, unprecedented. That a judge not only stands up and commends or says something nice to a defendant, let alone a guilty one. You leave the bench. And you become a human being. That, my friend, is the example for us all. Doesn't matter the title, the position. If anyone saw that and was not moved to tears, 
I don't know if you got a heartbeat. I just don't know. The, the news people reporting it. Emotional. Take a look at this. I want you to hear it real quick one more time. And we're gonna get to we're gonna hear from the judge on why she did what she did. Let's create the scene for you. This is in the courtroom that day. I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. do you say to that um, it's not a performance not a show where have we lost our way America officers defendants this is what it should be about she must pay the penalty for what has happened here. But I promise you, when she steps in that jail cell, she will remember this moment. When she's having dark days that no one can speak to and you just want to go home, she will remember this day. That is the magnitude of what's happened there needs to be some action and some change in our criminal justice system in this country you'll have the naysayers that say well she deserves it she doesn't deserve to be hugged the reaction of this officer tells me exactly the opposite. Let's hear from the judge now. Judge Tammy Kemp explaining why she did what she did in that courtroom that day. Let's hear it. 
Dallas judge Tammy Camp is defending her decision to hug police officer Amber Geiger after she was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder of Botham Jean. This was the moment Kemp offered Geiger the hug after Jean's brother had done the same thing. Now, Kemp says Geiger twice asked for a hug and that she could not refuse. She spoke with our Dallas Fort Worth station, KTVT, and she said her faith guided her actions. She will forever be the murderer of Botham John. How she carries that thus forward depends on how we receive her. And as a Christian, I believe I'm commanded to offer her love and compassion. So here with more is public, public safety and police department reporter for the Dallas Morning News, Cassandra Jaramillo. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Cassandra. So how has the city of Dallas responded to the judge hugging Geiger? We know sort of the conversation that erupted nationwide, but in Dallas, I'm wondering how they took it. We saw Dallas Police Chief Yu Renee Hall take that moment of uh, mercy from Botham John's little brother, uh, Brant, as a you know, an example of, uh, you know, how the city should also deal with this trial and some of the tension that's come out of it. Now, with Judge Kemp, you know, it, it's extremely unusual, and I would say never happens that a judge hugs a convicted felon. Um, but Chief Hall also expressed some admiration for those actions, again, reiterating the, the sentiments of, of forgiveness and mercy in um what was a very emotional and and tense trial. You know, um, one of the, the uh, criticisms of the judge's actions uh, has been from groups that are opposed to seeing any kind of, of, of mixing between the church and the state. They believe that yeah. there should be a separation of church and state. And the fact that the judge, um, and this has nothing to do with the compassion argument or the one where you see someone as a human being and you want to reach out to them. What some groups are saying is, look, uh, just legally the way our country, uh, based on the Constitution, is, uh, is set up, you should not have have any d displays of religion and in this particular case they are saying these groups are saying uh, that judge sort of broke that standard that's correct we did see uh, a group submit a complaint against judge Kemp um, about this you know the the action of bringing a Bible into court and and giving it to Geiger we will continue to follow the, the results of that complaint and where it goes but at least locally you know we did see the the city officials uh, very limited uh, crit critiques of the judge's actions um, and more so just an example of forgiveness and mercy. Can I ask you also, um, uh, Sassandra, the, the sort of what we led with, which is how people in Dallas are feeling, because as you know, this controversy, I guess if you want to call it that, um, had people really divided uh, on social media and yeah. you saw in a lot of think pieces on, you know, one hand, for example, I'm going to read a tweet from Brie Newsom. She's a filmmaker and activist. She has been tweeting a lot about this. You recall she was the one who removed that Confederate flag um, from that statue uh, was how she became uh, known uh, across the country. She wrote this, the white gaze fixation with black people forgiving racial violence from court cases to many Hollywood movie plots is about the redemption of white supremacy in popular culture and imagination. It does not translate to empathy for how racism kills black people. On the flip side of that, you had people like the actor Chris Evans, when he saw that moment when uh, uh, 
her, um, Botham Jones' brother hugged Amber Geiger. Mm -hmm. He said it was one of the most beautiful things he had ever seen. So I'm just curious, you've, you've seen this national debate around this issue. What are people in Dallas mm -hmm. specifically saying? So we saw on uh, Friday, if I'm not mistaken, a press conference with some of the faith-based leaders here in Dallas and some community activists, um, along with the Jean family, come out and, and talk about this. And still, you know, um, some reporters were, were wanting to get Brandt's reaction to the attention that this hug got, right? And the message there out of that, that group of folks was, Listen, you know, we, we can recognize forgiveness, but it doesn't separate this mission for justice. And that was the press conference where we saw them, you know, make these calls for an audit of the Dallas Police Department as the trial revealed, you know, some incidents that, that brought a lot of scrutiny. And so we saw those community leaders and the Jean family say, Let's you know keep keep the energy going on some of the the changes and the reforms that we want to see the police department, and not say stay so fixated on this hug. We're past that at this point. We want to see some action. And that's something that I wanted to ask you about. After we learned that uh, Joshua Brown, a key witness in this case, was gunned down, mm. um, and you know there have been other stories floating around about other witnesses who um, who lost their jobs um, because they had come forward with video. I'm just wondering what the relationship is now uh, between the community and the Dallas police force. Is there suspicion? Because I know that, you know, when I saw that headline about a key witness being gunned down, you, you start to question whether there's more to this or not. Certainly the timing of the shooting raised a lot of, of questions and speculations and also some of the misinformation about how uh, Mr. Brown was shot. You know, initially there were some rumors that he was shot in the mouth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people people had some strong reaction to that because what it insinuates. But we now know through reporting at the Dallas Morning News that Mr. Brown was not shot in the mouth. That is um, patently false. Mm -hmm. um, according to to a, a medical examiner report, he was shot in the back and the thigh um, is what we've heard to you know, the two um, gunshot wounds that he's had. Um, but certainly, you know, the, the timing of his death is, is either it's a, a, a tragic coincidence or just, you know, raising a lot of um, concerns within the community. And I think it just points to the continuance of the Dallas Police Department trying to to build its trust with um, communities of color here. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just, um, I, I think that if anything, this has certainly bought uh, some of the issues that have faced this country for many, many years yeah. uh, to sharp focus. And so thank you, Cassandra, for shedding light on it. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm sure for you all who were watching it online, you just generally saw the back of Miss Geiger and from time to time a side glance. Um, but at the start of trial on September 23rd, she was very stoic. Um, she seemed to have found uh, a point in space to fixate on and she just seemed to stare straight ahead at that. And she sat very still. And after the verdict of guilt, she was visibly shaken. And 
I think it took her quite some time to regain her composure. But after that verdict, she was a different person. She was a broken person. I saw a remarkable young man who came to the stand and I did not expect, I don't know what I thought he was going to say, but I did not imagine that that was his forgiveness, his outreach to her, um, his telling her that he only wanted the best for her. I did not expect that. There was a lot of crying. Um, I have not had one where defense counsel and prosecutors are crying, as well as the defendant's family and the victim's family. And yes, I was crying. It's not unusual for me to cry. I cry almost all the time. And I think it was cathartic for everybody because uh, the attorneys fought hard. It was a horrific circumstance. And I think Brent Jean gave us an example that the person is more than just the act, the horrific act that they've committed. That's the first time I had someone who was going into custody to serve a prison sentence ask me for a hug. I'm very cognizant of the sheriff's policies concerning contact with an accused and I was thinking about that, but I was also thinking about this woman is really, really hurting. And Brant Jean has given her a measure of hope. And for whatever reason, she's expect asking me for the same compassion. And who am I to deny her? Tammy Kemp, judge out of Dallas, Texas, uh, the viral actions that took place in her courtroom that went viral, rather, uh, is the example of returning humanity to America's court system. Uh, what you just heard there, the judge defends hugging Amber Geiger uh, after sentencing, explains why she was compelled to do so. We're going to get into that conversation uh, on the other side of this break, but also we're going to talk about some other judges who have stepped and raised the bar in their courtrooms and in our society of returning that humanity. I said once, I'll say it again on this program, that as we have to address judges that are not doing the right thing, our hand is compelled to also reach out to those that are making a difference and that honor the robe in which they wear and the constitution in which they stand on to ensure justice. You have good and bad in all occupations, all lines of work. Tonight we talk about not only Judge Kemp but other judges who are visibly showing compassion that take away whatever the price must be paid but it says something to our society that it's not all bad. 
there are people that are making a difference. Judge Kemp is one of those folks. We salute you. We honor you tonight as the return of humanity made an appearance in your courtroom not too long ago. We say thank you. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room, to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Columbine. Virginia Tech. Tucson. Aurora. Fort Hood. Oak Creek. Newtown. 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 How many more? How many more? How many more colleges? How many more classrooms? How many more movie theaters? How many more houses of faith? How many more shopping malls? How many more street corners? How many more? How many more? Enough. 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 Demand a plan. Right now. As a mom. As a dad. As a friend. As a husband. As a wife. As an American. As an American. As an American. As a human being. For the children of Sandy Hook. Demand a plan. No more lists of names. It's not too soon. It's too late. Now is the time. Before we all know someone who loved someone on that list. No more lists. No more. Who they might have been. No more. If we had just done something yesterday. It's time. We can do better than this. We can do better than this. It's time. It's time. It's time for our leaders to act. 
Demand a plan. Right now. Right now. You! Demand it! Enough. 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 I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African-American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at AskScreenKnow.com. Ladies and gentlemen of AJC Radio tonight, we bring a interesting look on the American court system in this country. Has been for years a very callous system. There'll be those that don't agree with that, that they believe it is what it is, and whatever happens within that system, no one is held accountable. We have left the mood of humanity the actions of humanity and compassion at the door of these courtrooms across this country, we find that appalling. We are awakened to the reality that compassion and humanity still exist. After last week, we saw an unprecedented act by Judge Tammy Kemp and victim Brent John, who displayed an act of forgiveness that is very rarely seen in our society today. The judge prior to this break began to explain why it was necessary to do what she did. We are now in touch with the people for Judge Kemp and presenting her with the H. Lee Serican Gavel of Honor Award. It is a very prestigious award that goes to those that have rose above the basics. I would say the advanced folks who live and breathe humanity and the right of that humanity to all people. And as we are hopefully able to reach Judge Kemp and make this happen, we will bring the update to you and the follow-up of that very special moment to you. Dennis, when you see these things that we have dealt with very shortly, you just don't have enough time in a day to get it done. Uh, it moves, at least me, to extreme emotion. Um, the courage it took for Mr. John to say, and he pleaded with the court, can I please hug her? There became silence. He said, please again. The judge was compelled. What you may not have seen in that moment is when the judge came from off the bench and she handed that officer a Bible. She said, I have, I have another one, but I want you to take this one. The nonsense of what we heard on the last report to in insinuate in some way that this was a group or groups of people that want to argue the separation of church and state 
that why did this judge give this lady her Bible? Let me make it very clear to you who listen to this program. Take a moment and think about that argument. The Vice President of the United States, the President of the United States, when they win election, are told to put their hand on the Bible. And they're given an oath. And to uphold that oath with their hand on a Bible. When you come into a courtroom to testify, you are sworn in, so help you God. Then how is it even possible to raise such a ridiculous argument? The officer was not offended. Why then, when something good happens, do you have, do you have those folks laying in the, in the bushes, wanting to criticize? Dennis, your thoughts on that? Yes, if you, if you look at it, I mean, th those people that uh, got offended, uh, it really had nothing to do with, you know, the people. It was about the Bible. It was about God. And, and it's sad to say, you know, that, you know, just like you put it out there and you explained, you know, how the oath, you know, how we put our hand on the Bible and we say, I swear to, you know, we swear unto God that we, we're going to do what we say we're going to do. Mm -hmm. and, and you're always going to have these people out there that, you know, uh, they, they, they hate the fact that religion, uh, that there is religion, first of all. And so when they see it and see how positively it affects the situation, uh, it makes them angry. But. This whole thing is just so, uh, again, it's profound. When you think about compassion, and not only compassion, uh, this judge had empathy, uh, which is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing. So not only did she have compassion, she, she put it all together. She felt what this police officer was feeling, and she reached out to her. And then this young man, again, uh, at my job, I had one person that was so angry. They were like, you know, she killed his brother. And you're going to go up there and hug her? That tells you that, you know, society, I mean, is heartless. They're, they're cold. But when it comes to real compassion, uh, when it comes to forgiveness, and I mean, we got to learn to forgive. And that's what this guy, that's what this young man did. He forgave. Uh, be, I mean, right after the sentence, he forgave her. But I, I'm sure it was forgiven before. But again, uh, stuff like this. I mean, we got to have compassion and empathy in our courtrooms. If we don't, uh, uh, you're, you're not going to see much of, of what we saw well, and what we heard tonight. Good point, Dennis, on that. And like you said, the issue is this is why people cannot find their way. You missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. Exactly. The point was something happened in an American courtroom that said, I'm human. That said, and the I'll be honest with you, the officer was broken. Truly broken. Sorry for what she had done. No, it doesn't bring the young man back. No. Is the death and the shooting of this man tragic? Most certainly. It is. We're not saying that doesn't matter. It matters. Because he'll never see his brother again. But my point here 
if the brother can steal forgiveness, it's his brother. If he can stand up and say, I forgive you, and he feels the most pain, what gives us the right to judge him for doing so? What gives us the right to criticize this man or this judge for that matter? Kendrick. And I also think that it, it did a message because love kind of does a lot more than what you think it does. Because if you remember the last uh, shootings by police of victims, after it gets going, it just made everybody worse. The cops were afraid that people were going to retaliate. People on the street were afraid that cops are going to kill them. And it just built on this thing. But here, you forget that she's a police officer. All you focus on is that compassion and humanity was shown in a courtroom and that got the attention of the world it sure did. you know that's how it should be handled there is no body thinking oh they're going to start retaliating against police officers none of that because he set a precedent to say you yes, know what did. I'm going to use my personal beliefs first and I'm going to forgive this woman because I'm not going to carry around hate it's not going to do anything for me That's right. but to show a little compassion could change not only this woman's life but it changed the conversation and the perception of what's going to happen next in the American sure. public. Samson, your thoughts? No, I, just, I was in here looking at a, a quote by um, Judge Kim where she said, I think it's my role to do justice and extending compassion uh, to someone. If that's not a part of justice, I don't know what is. And she goes on to saying that, you know, that is just an everyday step in reforming the criminal justice system to mm. start looking at people, not just as criminals, but people. Good point. I mean, she's, She's she's exemplifying everything that we're pushing towards uh, with this with this radio show. She's she's setting the bar. She's setting the example of like this is what we need in the criminal justice system. Like you said earlier, don't look at these people like they're animals. Don't look at people you know as a number. Don't look at them as a statistic. Look at them as a person. Show empathy. Show compassion. Look at them and look at this surrounding uh, situation that involves their case. There's a uh, there's actually a court that stood up in Redmond where you know they they try nonviolent offenders and they have had over a 30% success rate, you know, um, with people that come in there that they're 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 not repeat offenders. You're talking about a third of the population that comes into your courtroom and they're not coming at, back awesome. again. That's outstanding because they're handling the cases with compassion. They're getting the people. They it said in the article that the judge knows the defendants by name. They're that involved because they want them to go back out and be a contributing member of society. They don't want them to sit there and just feed this basically indentured servitude that is the you know criminal justice system now. They want them to get out there. And again, Judge Kemp is one of many, and I applaud her for what she did, for taking a stand. Um, for that young man also where they put their personal beliefs and everything ahead of everything else, and they stepped out and they, they changed you know, at least for a few weeks, you know, they're going to change the way people look at things. Oh, absolutely right. And what you what you look at when you see the people who came out and said, uh, you know, that the judge shouldn't have made this quote-unquote religious uh, statement by bringing the Bible out, that has nothing to do with the problem that they have. The problem that they have is the fact that compassion was showed uh, to this to this person who should have been uh, or who was convicted, but that they feel like they felt like, well, this person shouldn't have gotten any compassion, 
at the end of the day, it is the families who are the victim. It is the young man on the stand, his parents, his siblings, the friends and family of the young man who died. Those are the victims. If those victims decide that, you know what, for my closure, I want to offer forgiveness to the person who did this to me. That is their way of saying, I can finish with this situation. I can lay my brother, my friend, my son to, to, uh, to rest at peace. I can let it go by doing this. It's no one else's decision on who I have compassion on or who I forgive or who, you know, I get up and hug. So the people who had a problem with it, you have to think about where where's their moral compass? Where's their sense of compassion? Where is their emotional fortitude to say that, you know, I'm glad that he was able to uh, forgive the person who took his brother for him, from him. I'm glad that the family was able to let that go. That is the problem with America. It, that is the problem with the judicial system on the whole is that there is no compassion. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to chime in about a person's uh, crime, whatever they did, the reason that they're up on that stand. And at the end of the day, it is the victim who has the right to say, I forgive what you did. And the judge is right to judge what happened in that courtroom and say, because of what I saw, that is the sentence that I'm going to lay out. Oh, absolutely right. Uh, and I can say that what people don't understand, forgiveness frees you. Uh, it liberates you, the person who, for that to happen, you cannot help but feel a feel-good story in spite of the tragedy. Uh, and as Kendrick alluded to, you change the conversation now from violence to compassion and mercy. This officer, Amber Geiger, will live with this decision and taking that young man's life until the day she dies. Have you thought about that? It will never leave her to the day she dies. She will never forget that moment where her life was taken. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the 10 years that she will spend behind bars, reminded every day, every day she wakes up on a bunk in a cell I took the life of another person. So at the end of the day, people are quick to speak to things they have never experienced. But what gives you the right, Lamont? Been there. Been there. I know every thought, every emotion, every dark place, many do not. Kendrick said it, my heart goes out to the people going into a system that he's very much aware about for his wrongful conviction. Seven years, they call it seven calendars in the inside. I did, wrongfully. Seven calendars, Kendrick Barnes did, wrongfully. people should think. The other side of the break, we're coming back about a story and a judge, Frank Caprio. He's an internet sensation 
and for one thing, compassion. Returning humanity to America's court system continues after this. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders, 30% were property violators such as thieves or those convicted of fraud, 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, 
How do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Tonight's show, Returning Humanity to America's Court System. We have seen it in its rawest fashion. Uh, the Honorable Tammy Kemp, Judge Tammy Kemp, did something and allowed something in her courtroom that should be commended. She took a moment to stand by what she believed. Politics was not involved. And critics have risen from the ashes, if you will, to condemn an act of mercy, an act of compassion that happened after proceedings had concluded. This was not done in the beginning of this proceeding. It wasn't done in the middle to some way, somehow sway a juror. None of that happened. I bring that up for the naysayers, for those that have nothing better to do with their life other than to criticize that which is good. Judge Kemp did something that set precedence in this country last week. She left the bench after, again, proceedings had ended and being moved to a great deal of compassion by Brent John, the brother of the uh, the brother of the gentleman that was shot and killed by this officer. He asked if he could give um, a hug to the person that took her brother's life, his brother's life, excuse me, and it went viral. But when the judge left from behind the bench, if you go into a courtroom, the bench is set very high. It is, it, it is as strong as a stone wall that you don't cross. If asking to approach the bench, you ask, may I, according to protocol. This judge tore down the wall and embraced a young woman who is facing the, probably the most challenging days and years of her life that lie ahead. I am um, pleased, moved, 
by this act of kindness. And again, to the naysayers out there, get a life. Start caring about others other than yourself. And we salute her tonight, and we'll be bringing uh, updates to you on this. Let me say this really quick as we move on to Judge Caprio and his acts in his courtroom that have made him an Internet sensation as well. And he does it every day. This will be the last live pre-recorded show uh, happening until New Year's 2020. I ask that you tune in at your convenience. Uh, we will be playing most of the shows that we have done for the year of 2019. We will also be playing the shows that, in this particular show, we are approaching the anniversary of the one-year anniversary of the passing of our sister, Lawana Banks-Clark, who left us in November of last year. Uh, we put together a show displaying her passion to fight against injustice that will be played during this time uh, so all I ask is that you tune in the shows are worth listening to just as this one is right now we turn to Judge Caprio of Rhode Island who I had the opportunity to actually speak to his son uh, some months ago as we did a show honoring judges who honor the who honor the robe, Judge Frank Caprio is one of those folks without question. I have never seen until today, uh, this week when we saw Judge Kemp, had seen acts of compassion with this judge who is loved by so many. Let's hear right now a little bit about Judge Frank Caprio. I think it was issued at 959. Uh, I, right. 959 and 58 seconds. And you can't park there until 10 o'clock. And you violated the city ordinances. These are the city ordinances, Inspector Quinn, that she violated. That point, that point two will get you every time, Judge. People are so accustomed and conditioned to the institutions of government coming down, you know, hard on them without regard for any personal situations. You know, life is difficult at best. Because my son was recently killed last year. So they got my check because Oop. he had old money. I'm gonna reduce this to uh, $50. How much time do you need to pay it? I have it on me now. That's not going to leave without any money, is it? I'll leave it with five dollars. Thank you, Rihanna. <clears throat> I'm not going to leave you with five dollars. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going, to, I'm going to dismiss everything. I am particularly sensitive when youngsters come into the courtroom because I think that the conduct of a jurist in the presence of youngsters can shape their thinking in a way that may affect their future particularly their attitude toward the institutions of government. Your mom is charged with parking on the sidewalk, okay? And that fine is $100. Yeah. 
So you you have not had breakfast today. Oh. Well, suppose I make a deal with your mom. Okay. That if she buys you breakfast when you leave, that I'll dismiss the I'll dismiss it. Is that a good deal? <laughs> and I think I should take into consideration whether somebody is sick and whether their mother died and whether they have kids who are starving and whether all of those real life situations, you know, are so important to me. Right? In other words, I don't wear a badge under my robe. I wear a heart under my robe. Morning, Pasquale. My daughter babysitted for you. Your daughter what? No, my daughter, my, my sister. Back in, uh, on Toby Street. Toby Street? That was years ago. Yeah, what about her? My sister had babysit. Oh, you used to Oh, she used to babysit for me. Yes, Your Honor. Yeah, see, you never should tell me that stuff. Oh. Now I, ha I can't give you a break. Oh, I'm not asking for one, Your Honor. Because number one, I know your uncle, now your, baby, your sister babysat for her, so I have to give you, like, the full fine here. That's fine. Because if not, I'd be, said, I have to uh, recuse myself. Uh, so I'm going to rely upon Inspector Quinn's uh, recommendation. She contacted the court prior to today, Your Honor, and said that she does believe there was one payment you still owe. Inspector <laughs> Quinn thinks your sister, uh, I'm o I owe your sister some money <laughs> that we haven't paid her. That's between you and her. <laughs> uh, what do you want to tell me about this? Uh, I've had some financial difficulties in the past uh, few years. And uh, I did try to make an attempt to pay one of them, and I did. I guess I did pay it late, and it was... Oh, one of these was paid. All right, it was paid. Uh, All right, I got it. I got it. It's $30. Thank you, Your Honor. With our best wishes, and hope that things turn around good for you. Thank you for your service, and the matter is dismissed. Thank you very much, Your Honor. Well, so far, you're doing pretty good. Now, you're going to say guilty or not guilty? What do you say? Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> An honest boy. It's official. You are guilty. Well, you have a wonderful family. I'm going to give you credit for your good driving record back in Africa. Just imagine the trauma. Quiet, this is a courtroom. Be respectful to the court. I don't want to hear that. How do you plead guilty or not guilty? They leave and they feel like they were shortchanged and they have this antagonistic feeling toward government. I wouldn't blame them. Particularly with young kids, you never know how that will manifest itself in later life. You know, first thing is you have to listen to them. Some people say, I, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear it. You know? and I'm going to do what my father taught me. My goal is to try to balance the equities, treat people regardless of uh, their station in life with decency and respect. It's not rocket science, you know, it's just basic human values. And welcome back. Uh, there you have it, folks. Judge Frank Caprio, 
I mean, when I tell you a class act, uh, he definitely is. Uh, and you know why it's real? It just flows. It's not something he's put on the front for the TV, for the Internet. This is who Mr. Caprio is. Um, and speaking to his son, I did again several months ago, nothing but beautiful things to say about his dad. And uh, when you see that, in the and he made a point, he said, I don't wear a badge under my robe. I have a heart. This is not about anything other than that. And the people, I've gone out and checked him out on YouTube, and I would recommend that people do search Frank, Judge Frank Caprio. And I'm telling you, he's a pleasure to watch. It's cases by cases by cases. Uh, and he says he considers everything. We don't hear that much within courtrooms. I consider if you're not going to have food on the table, you had, you had the lady who had 50 bucks. She said, you'll leave me with $5. But thank you, Judge. He said, I'm not going to leave you with $5. He said, I'm dismissing everything. You got a kid. Well, how are you going to feed you and yourself, your kid, on 5 bucks? That's what you talk about when you talk about humanity, decency uh, in our court system. Right now, I want to share a story with you that I believe is, wow. Um, this guy... This judge spent the night in jail with the man that he had sentenced. He felt compelled because he felt so bad for this man. He spends night in jail with the man he sentenced to get a film and some understanding so the guy would not have to spend that night alone. Doesn't happen. That's crazy. But it does happen. Let's play the clip. Sometimes, the best way to help someone who has fallen into a hole is not to throw them a rope, but to climb in. Steve Hartman learned this on the road. Inside the county courthouse in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Judge Lou Oliveira made headlines with an unusual decision. You may be seated. A few years ago, Joe Cerna was arrested for drunk driving. As part of his probation, he wasn't allowed to drink. So when he lied about a recent urine test, the judge felt he had no choice. I gave Joe a night in jail because he had to be held accountable. It was just one night, but as he entered the cell, Joe says he knew it would be one of the longest nights of his life. When I walked into the jail cell and they closed the door behind me, I started feeling this um, anxiety. It came back? It came back, a flashback. Retired Army Sergeant First Class Joe Cerna did three tours in Afghanistan and has two Purple Hearts to show for it. The Green Beret survived an IED and a suicide bomber. But he says his scariest moment was the night he was riding in a truck with three other soldiers. What happened? We were, we were following the, the creek and uh, the road gave way. And uh, the vehicle went into the creek. Truck started filling with water? Yeah. All hope was lost. Trapped and unable to move, Joe felt the water rising, past his legs, then waist and neck, until finally it stopped at his chin. How many guys got out of that truck? Alive? Yeah. Just me. 
I was a sole survivor. Joe says it still haunts him. So I suffer from PTSD. Among his issues, a fear of being in small, cramped places. I knew what Joe was going through, and I knew Joe's history, and he had to be held accountable, but I just felt I had to go with him. I, I felt I had to go with him. And so, a few minutes after Joe was locked up, Judge Lou Oliveira surprised the man he sent to jail by joining him for the entire night. We ate meatloaf, and uh, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about our families. And the walls got further apart? The walls just got, they, they, they didn't exist anymore. He brought me back to North Carolina from being in a truck in Afghanistan. That meant so much to me, sir. I know. This week, Joe promised the judge no more mess-ups. I don't want to let you down, ever. It's not how law and order usually works. But sometimes jail is not what a man needs. Sometimes the best sentence love you. Love you. is compassion. Thank you for breathing me. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay. Thank you, sir. And compassion heals. That is absolutely amazing. I've heard it before, and it's new every time I hear it. Dennis, um, how unusual. This is a soldier who put his life on the line, and I believe he said two or three tours to Afghanistan. Yep. Um, P... Uh, What's the, what's the post-traumatic, post-stress traumatic? Right, PTSD. PTSD. Yeah. So you know he's in a situation where, as he said, he felt like the, the walls are closing. He's going back to combat. The judge says, I sent it you because I had to send a message, but I felt I had to go with him. That, that changed that soldier's life forever. I'm telling you because you don't you don't see that and again like you said he the walls were closing in on him and then when he looks up and he sees this judge it's like what 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 are you doing here I'm gonna sit here with you and he said at that point the walls just opened up and and then to sit there and just converse and, and to dinner. take the pressure off and eat dinner and those dinners are not all that <laughs> no. but that is awesome oh, I mean that's that's yeah. that's out of character uh, it's, it's, it's something to, for that judge to be truly commended, commended for doing. Yeah, and when you, when you hear what that soldier said, that he had PTSD, he went through watching his whole team, uh, you know, die with him there, sole survivor. So he's got to have survivor's remorse as a soldier saying, hey, you know, it was my duty to protect the, the men that I was there with. He said that judge brought him from Afghanistan back to North Carolina meaning he he broke his his post-traumatic stress yes. syndrome he he destroyed it he brought him back to the reality of your home now soldier you fought the battle you fought a good fight you did what you needed to do to serve your country to uh, protect the rights of the people that you serve for he brought him back to reality from the war zone. You cannot pay for that. You can't teach that. Do you know how many soldiers, and I'm sure you you know, uh, Dennis, you and Samson, coming from the military that 
a lot of these soldiers never make it back from their post-traumatic stress. They never recover from that. And a lot of them end up committing suicide. And you have a judge of all people who had to sentence this man, say, I gotta send a message because the law says you are not, you, you, you broke the law, you were put on probation, you weren't supposed to be drinking, you did. And the soldier, he accepted. He's like, well, yeah, I know your honor. I accept what I did was wrong, but he broke what was, he fixed what was broken in this man in essence. And that, I mean, you can't, you can't pay for that. And what did it cost the judge? Sit there for a night and have a conversation, learn something new about a, a person that he didn't know before. It shows that those small things that sure it was a price that he didn't spend that night with his family, the judge, he spent it with a person, but I'm sure to this day that judge feels like it was worth it. If I didn't see my kid, if I wasn't able to tuck him in that night, it was worth it to basically rescue the soldier who had who had given his life and watched his fellow soldiers die. It was worth it for what he paid that one night uh, sitting there with him. It's and, a beautiful story. And what if that guy had a, like while he's in there by himself, had like an attack and made his situation work worse inadvertently? I mean, he could attack the guard. You don't know what could happen. So that judge probably prevented a lot more than just saving that man's life he could have got more charges or you know you never know or committed suicide in there you don't know so but I, i'm glad the judge did his job he made a judgment call and considered the whole situation not just saying what law he broke but also considered that this person off this sentence could could make his matters worse for him and decided you know i'm gonna try to be a remedy as part of his uh his judgment you know i just think um <clears throat> Cliff and uh, the other guys, they really hit on a lot of good points and the fact that um, people with post-traumatic stress, you're right, that you don't know what all could trigger them, you don't know what all could set them off, but the fact that, you know, this judge set everything else aside, you know, he did what he was supposed to do in accordance with the law, you know, he, he, he did make the man pay for what he did, but that he, he applied that compassion, that human factor that is lacking so much in, in our criminal justice system. And he went in there, yeah, he probably ate some dry meatloaf, you know, drank, you know, drank some stale water, you know, whatever with this man. But what it did was it, it truly showed the humanity to somebody who didn't get a chance to didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of it. In fact, he's, he's used to seeing the worst side of humanity. He's used to seeing combat. He's used to seeing his brothers and sisters die. He's used to seeing the darkest corners of, you know, what humanity has to offer. And to see someone take this time out of their schedule, somebody that's in a position of authority to take this time out of their schedule and be there with them just to talk to him and make everything else go away, like Cliff said, it's priceless, you know. No amount of counseling, no amount of, you know, PTSD support groups, no amount of medication can do for that man what that judge did in one simple visit, and I commend him for it. Well, here's the thing with the judge, and this is what people miss. He had no obligation to do so. That's right. He didn't do anything. His, when the, from the time he sentenced this young man to a night in jail, his job was done. What he gets paid to do was done. This tells you the power of love, the power of compassion, the power, and Steve Hartman said it best of CBS News. He said, sometimes you don't need a jail cell. You need an act of compassion. I believe, as, as 
what she, what the uh, contributors, uh, the hosts have said here on this show. Neither one of them will ever be the same. His family will not be the same. That judge, when he goes to that bench, will move probably with more compassion than what he's done before because of what he saw and what he observed by this soldier. Um, returning humanity to America's court system, this stuff is heart-wrenching. But you need some feel-good stories in our society. You need to know that there are judges, and to every judge out there tonight, for the judges that make it difficult for you to shine because of their conduct, let me say that I'm sorry for the judges that take the time to care. Judge Kemp, Judge Frank Caprio, and the judge that is known for spending a night in jail because he felt compelled to do so. We say thank you. Where would we be as a society, as a criminal justice system, if more people felt the way the judges we've talked about and those that are unmentioned heroes would act this way? I believe the number of people in incarceration would drastically drop. This is AJC Radio, returning humanity to America's court system. We'll be right back. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in a Kansas prison for a murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything. His family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they've suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. 
How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impacts families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a Just Cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you. I like to eat and bananas I want to eat 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 apples and bananas I need to eat 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 apples and bananas why can't I eat 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 apples and bananas One in five children struggles with hunger in America. Support the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we have endeavored in unfamiliar territory of kindness. 
of compassion, and that is a statement very sad within itself. How is it that we live in a world where compassion and kindness is unfamiliar because it's been removed from our society so many, many times? We have learned this week, and we are learning, as this show focuses on returning um, humanity to America's court system as a result of the Honorable Judge Tammy Kemp, who did something unprecedented. She showed she cared. A gentleman by the name of Brent John did something unheard of. He asked to hug the officer who took the life of his brother. He didn't ask just once, he asked twice. Can I give her a hug? Said to her, I don't want you to rot in jail. But God will forgive you. He was moved to tears. He could not hold the tears back with this request. The judge moved also in compassion. She left the bench and saw a woman, an officer, Amber Geiger, broken for what has happened. We have a judge who spends the night in jail with a man that he himself sentenced. A soldier who fought on the front lines to keep America safe and did not shrug his responsibility did not say, well, I'm a soldier, I should get special treatment. He said, I'm guilty. But I'm having a hard time going into that cell. As his post-stress traumatic syndrome kicked in, and he said the walls begin to close on him. There appears the same judge in his jail cell. This is something that is unheard of. But I believe it has shaken the foundation of this nation. I believe a conversation has now started with a word we don't hear much about, and that's called compassion. Dennis, your thoughts? I agree. This show has been awesome. I mean, uh, these judges, uh, what they did was uh, they went, uh, they stepped out of the norm. And they show compassion and empathy, uh, understanding what the, what the person's you know on the other side of the law is going through, and then showing that compassion and empathy, and you know either lessening, uh, you know lessening what 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 they're being charged with, or or you know taking away, you know helping out their children. Do it. I mean, tonight, if we can get every judge to be uh, have compassion and empathy, I'm telling you, these courtrooms. And, and then recidivist, you know, people coming back and, you know, serve, having to serve time or see the judge again, 
that that would go away. I, I truly believe that. And I, I agree. Also, there's another judge that showed mercy to a Walmart employee. Um, didn't owe anything to show mercy here, but he did. Let's hear the clip. Judge Ray Long is the judge. Let's hear it. You've been arrested for what for? Same thing. Same thing. What was it? You meant they hired you back? Huh? I thought you'd been here before. I usually don't forget faces. So why, after the company gave you such a such an awesome break, did you go back and do that? It didn't happen like that. Well, I'm not going to get into details. I'm just saying it's what you're charged with. Mm -hmm. No, I'll tell you what it is, just briefly. She is charged with breach of trust or fraudulent intent. Uh, if she were not an employee at Walmart, they'd be charging with shoplifting. Okay. But since she's an employee, mm -hmm. she's charged with taking merchandise mm -hmm. and not paying for the merchandise, leaving the store with it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as shoplifting. Except the fact that she's an employee, oh, yeah. it becomes breach of trust. Yeah. With and since this is the third time she's been arrested for a similar trial, well, she's been Sorry, arrested sir. twice. Yes, this is the third sure. time. So they so they do what they call property enhancement. That makes it a general session charge. Mm -hmm. She's not going to be tried in her city court like she was the other two times. She's going to hack court. What? You're restrained from Walmart, as any Walmart. You cannot go in any Walmart. If you do, they're going to call the police and they're going to charge you with trespassing. You don't want that to happen now. But they will call the police on Because sorry, but they don't want you back on their property. Now, I'm going to set you a $10,000 bond to that. You think Mama can get the money to get you out? How much would I need for $10,000? Well, $1,000. Can't go no more. I mean, I know I can't get no thousand dollars to pay your judge. It's ten thousand dollars. Any way you look at it, it's ten thousand dollars. But you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give you a PR bond. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna trust you. Miss Durham will tell you I don't give a lot of these out. She'll tell you that. I believe there's some good inside of you. Don't you ever? Ever come in front of me again. You, you understand that? Because if you do, you won't get mercy. I'm giving you mercy because I believe in you. Now you've made three critical mistakes. Now you can decide today when you walk out of here one or two things. I'm going to keep it up. But I'm not going to be like him. I'm going to be a responsible person. And I'm going to make my life count for something. I'm going to be a good citizen. But you know whose choice it is? It's not your mother's. It's not your dad's. It's your choice. You decide what you want to make the rest of your life. That's up to you. There you have it, Judge Ray Long. Put it down like it was. 
I can tell you from experience, no one walks out of a bond set at $10,000 with a PR bond, which is a personal recognizance bond. That means we're just going to take you at your word that you will appear. The judge here is telling this young lady, Judge Long, you have done this three times. But he said, I believe there is some good inside of you. And because of that, I'm going to give you a PR bond. That is absolutely amazing. And trust what I tell you from experience. It doesn't happen. Especially on a repeat offender. These are the things, ladies and gentlemen, whether you agree with it or not, that shape a nation. It shapes a society. It shapes a people. And the human race. These acts of mercy. He said, if you come before me again, mercy will not be shown. But I will give you mercy now. Couldn't ask the judge to do no more. He did more than what he had to do. I cannot stress to our audience tonight again. We have judges out here doing some crazy things. But my heart feels good tonight as we have addressed judges that say, hey, I'm above the fray. Judge Kemp told the young lady, Amber Geiger, I read my Bible every day. She said, you take this. I read it every day. I read a scripture every day. And she held to her integrity and to her principle. That is what this society and our criminal justice system is missing. And I say to Judge Kemp, if you ever hear this show, which I am very sure you will, take a bow for being an example of justice and what justice really means. To Brent John, take a bow for your courage and your humanity that didn't cloud your judgment. To Officer Amber Geiger, thanks for having a heart that could feel regret for an action I'm sure you would love to take back. And to all those that support the judge who are writing, who are interviewing, all those on social media, to those that find it quick to find fault, with an act of kindness. Please take the other look from the other side. And let me be very clear, the death of this young man is tragic. Should not have happened. Our thoughts, our prayers go out to his family, to all those involved, to the family of the young man, the witness that testified in this case 
who was suddenly murdered. Our prayers and thoughts go to his family and all those that are connected to him. This is AJC Radio. May all our listeners have a very prosperous holiday season as we approach again the end of another year. We'll see you on the other side of January. Take care until next time, America. Good night. Have you ever picked up any other charges? Okay, I'm not accepting this sentence. That's ridiculous. Um, no. I'm sentencing you to a... How long have you been in custody? Um, well, they picked me up in Fayette Sunday morning. And you have no charges anywhere? No. And the jail would also refuse to give her... Pants? What? I've been wearing this since I came in with this on Sunday. Excuse me? Excuse me? This is outrageous. Is this for real? I have a defendant who has been in your all's jail for three days who is standing in front of me completely pantsless has no pants on. She has requested pants for three days and has been denied pants for three days. She has no pants and she is in court. And she has also been denied feminine hygiene products. What the hell is going on? Again, I want to extend my deepest apologies to you for the way that you've been treated while you've been in our jail. This is not normal. It is not normal and, and I've never There's seen it happen. There's a lot of girls up in first arrest that have on like similar clothes to what I had on and they haven't given them uniform. I've already talked to uh, three people from the Department of Corrections. I can't explain the situation. They have assured me that it was a mistake and that it won't happen again. Um, but given the information that you're telling me, it, it makes me feel like that's probably not correct. Um, maybe just what they're being told. You should have come to court. This is the, not the part about the clothing and all that, but you, the fact that you're in custody is your fault. You understand that, right? You gotta come to court. We can't just let give people free passes all the time. But once you were arrested, the rest of this is completely inhumane and, and unacceptable. And I'm very sorry that you had to go through this. Of all things to go viral on the internet, boo the dog, dancing pandas, how does a tough-talking small-town judge make the cut? Well, the one you're about to meet is not your average gavel-banging magistrate. His honor's got a unique way of dispensing justice to the people who show up in his courtroom. And as it turns out, it's shockingly successful. Here's ABC's T.J. Holmes. He's the kind of judge no one can forget. Judge Chickenetti of Painesville, Ohio, or Judge Chick as he goes by, sees 30 to 40 cases a day, but 
It's his unique method of sentencing that has turned him into a viral sensation. And now to this story, an Ohio judge defending an unusual punishment. Gave one teen a punishment she definitely will never forget. 18-year-old Victoria Bascom takes a cab ride that stiffs the driver in the end. The teenager who skipped out on a cab fare to a long walk of shame. Just a few months ago, one of the judge's latest sentences got international media attention. When 18-year-old Victoria Bascom was given a choice, spend 30 days in jail or walk 30 miles. I've never been to jail and I don't want to go to jail. I'm kind of upset about this sentence, you know, because I'm thinking I was going to go on and have to just pay a fine. Like, it's only $100. When did that idea pop into your head to, you know what I'm going to do with this girl? I'm going to make her walk. It just came to me. And I even asked her, I think this is where it came in, when I said, if you didn't have a cab, then what would you do? She'd go, walk. Then I said, let's make her walk 30 miles. So I gave her the choice of 30 days of jail or, or 30 miles. I end up almost getting jail time, so I guess I'm kind of lucky he gave me this option. But this kind of um, creative sentencing is not new to the judge. He's been doing it for years. Very humiliating, very embarrassing. After being arrested for soliciting a prostitute, this man chose public humiliation over jail time. Is this tough enough punishment that you're never, ever going to be doing something like I, this again? Yes, absolutely. This teen stole porn from an adult bookstore. I'm thankful that Judge Chicken Eddie gave me an opportunity instead of a jail time. This woman was caught on surveillance tape walking into a Burger King and pepper spraying one of the workers in the face. Her sentence? The judge gave the defendant a choice, either serve time or get sprayed herself with what she thought was pepper spray. And you couldn't I, I, use the real pepper spray because you, no, you can't injure somebody. Now I am bucking heads with those law professors <laughs> when, I, when I use real pepper spray. Now we're getting into the cruel and unusual. Did the victim get the vengeance in that case, given that it wasn't real pepper spray? Yeah. may not be what you wanted, but it's all that I could do as the law permits. But it scared the hell out it's of the scared, defendant. Yeah, but it scared the hell out of the defendant. So it served its purpose. This is your one chance. It better be good. Judge Chick may be on to something. A judge can simply follow the law, and if somebody committed a crime, here are the possible penalties. How much of those, how much of that do I impose? Sure, you can do that, and you go home, and, and, and you can rest easy. Or you can take each case a little more personal and still apply that same law. The rates of repeat offenders are much lower in his courtroom than the national average. When you talk about state prisons and federal prisons, their problems started way back here with my court, with municipal courts, with the minor offenses. Most people don't start out with a felony case. We have to stop them from going further at the beginning stages. Uh, then, otherwise, it escalates. They get in jail, they get smarter, smarter criminally. And as they get smarter criminally, the offenses become greater. On the docket for today, two cases, one involving a bicycle theft and the other a case that hit a little close to home for the judge. Who's being chilly? Who's being chilly? As a pet owner, he was extremely upset about how Alyssa Morrow treated her pit bull mix. I'm a vomit reading the report. This is how animal control found moose in a house that can only be described as belonging to a hoarder. Morrow says she left him there for just a week. She's in court today pleading guilty to animal neglect and cruelty. You know, I, I can't interpret the feelings of a dog, but boy, if dogs could tell you how they felt. Amazing. Oh, yeah, and scared and frightened and sick. Well, maybe you should get a little taste of that. But I'm going to let you have a choice here. And the choice is I want you to live like moose. And in order to do that, I want you to go down to the county dump, to the landfill. And I want them to find the stinkiest, smelliest, 
god-awful odor place they can find in that dump, and I want you to sit there for eight hours tomorrow. Just think what you did to that dog, why you smell the odor. If you puke, you puke. Understand? Morrow has the choice of either choosing to do this alternative sentence or spend 90 days in jail. She agrees to go to the dump. Okay. See you at the dump tomorrow. We'll get to the dump later. But first, the case of the disappearing bike. The defendant, Jordan Walsh, showed up to court with his mother. All right, Jordan, you stole a bike, walked into a garage, took a bike, and and rode it. Well, Your Honor, I know, I know Mr. Walsh uh, takes full responsibility for this. For the punishment, and I think to get your attention that it's not to be done again, as I always do, you're going to have the, the choice of 60 days of jail. You can avoid that by 10 days of community work service. So you stole a bike and you rode a bike, so that's what you're going to do again here Tuesday in the fair parade. The judge has made him an offer he can't refuse. He ordered Walsh to ride a bike on behalf of a local charity in a parade the following week. You worried about going to jail? Yeah. 60 days, I, when I heard that, I, my heart just dropped. And the guy that got his bike stolen is surprisingly supportive. I didn't want the kid's life to be ruined because he stole a bike, but you know, he needs to pay for what he did. You know, embarrass him a little bit. You know, it's better than him sitting in jail. <laughs> He rode the bike all along the parade route. I think it's better than going to jail because I can show people that I can do better in my community. For Alyssa Morrow, her second chance came the day after court at the local dump. And she was given the ironic job of picking up garbage. Girl, not the best outfit choice. I know the shoes, I thought about it. <laughs> I couldn't find my other shoes and I was already running late, so. For the next eight hours, Morrow must spend her day just like Moose spent close to a week in filth. I probably didn't think I'd be here, but I'd rather be here than jail. Can't complain. The good news is that Moose is recuperating wonderfully and is now up for adoption. For Nightline, I'm TJ Holmes in Painesville, Ohio. I understand that there is a chance that you're going to go back to Todd County and that your baby is a month old and you haven't met that baby yet. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. I'm making a temporary exception right in front of me on the record so that you can meet this baby. This is your son. Yeah. You see his little shirt? Yeah. Mr. Rutter, we'll see you back on August 29th, okay? Yeah, if y'all aren't teared up, then you're just heartless. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. 
Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.